Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather. Political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about news and politics this week. Yeah. And this um, week. And this week, it seems that Theresa May is going to die of food poisoning from eating yeah. mould from the so, top of a jambar. There was a, there was a story today, and I have no idea why she would have allowed this out, why she thought now was the time to say it. Boasting. She takes, uh, so when she has a pot of jam, as you do, you Mm -hmm. know, one little snack, you get out a whole pot of jam. Uh, If there's a little bit of mould on top of it, she just flakes the mould off and eats what's underneath. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's perfectly normal behaviour and perfectly normal when you are... (laughs) Is it normal behaviour? When you are having a political interview to mention... Wheat fields and you know eating mouldy jam. I don't think it's fine. I, I think she only talked about it because she was literally eating a pot of jam in the interview. Is this night? Is this like ninth dimensional authenticity? Where I like think so, yeah. I did see like, a lot. Ah, uh, the the make do and mend kind of thing. I it's saw like, a lot of people jumping her to, to, to her defense. Like, oh, for me, a child of the nineteen seventies, it would have been disgusting to throw out jam if it had a bit of mould on it. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Jesus. I don't think you understand how important jab was to ancient <laughs> British man in the I'm 1970s. The, I'm the Prime Minister. You think I'm made of jam? <laughs> it's stupid. I don't... I Oh, God. Like, there's no way it gets allowed out. And unless... It, I haven't actually seen yeah. it, so I don't know if it was one of those nervously volunteered facts like the running through the wheat field thing was. Mm. Like, because where she's caught out and it's like, oh, this is actually true, mm. but I don't want to expose how much of a, like, freakish person I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't want to ever put anything out there that makes me not look normal, so... What's the best? Except she's only eaten jam fine. since they took the gollywog off the Robinson's jam, <laughs> off the Robinson's marmalade. That's when she stopped having marmalade. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Yeah, less picking off mould, more picking off that label. <laughs> But yeah, so this, it's like that. Um, what else happened? Oh, yeah. So a Lib Dem and a couple of members of the NUS, and uh, not very, I don't think any Labour, young Labour Party members, um, bought and paid for a poster to put up in Islington opposite the Emirates Stadium and <laughs> graffitied it with, we want a people's vote and stuff like that. And Islington Council took it down because it was graffiti. Um, <laughs> and now a bunch of Blairites who, let's remember, were pretty much cutting off the hands of graffiti people in the 90s <laughs> and then the early 2000s. And now, like, how dare you ruin our graffiti? This is just like Stalin. <laughs> Why did they not call out the army like they did in the London riots? <laughs> this is clearly unacceptable behaviour. <laughs> each of those... Why did of... they not frog march them to a cash point and then to a Wilco's where they could go and buy sponges, hot water, <laughs> hot water available at all good Wilco's, <laughs> and soap to scrub it off there? It's yes. the only language they understand. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, it's been a weird week. I saw that bits of that BBC interview as well with um, the man who who unaccountably still occupies the presidential palace in Venezuela, otherwise known as the president of Venezuela. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting really yeah. depressed about the Venezuela stuff. Though I could, I'm just. The horrible thing is that there's an inevitability of it because just the, the sh- after even after so many years of kind of Iraq war and, mm-hmm. and the kind of cowing of, of that kind of liberal interventionism, mm. the weight is still so heavily behind it that the actual like the wording around everything to do mm-hmm. with Venezuela, everything just suggests the the kind of the West has the has mm. the right to do that well, the, kind of thing. Speaking you know? to fancy expats in um, um, in Colombia. Mm. Who's saying, like, we've been waiting for this moment to fix Venezuela for over 20 years. What? Yeah, exactly. Since before 
Maduro. Chavez was yeah. in. To be fair, that's why Chavez came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I've noticed, it's all of it's, de- it's just depressing me. I find it all really grim. So let's go on to our main thing that we're going to talk about yes. today. So we're going to talk about one of the more poignant aspects of, of modern things. modern modern politics and modern life generally. I think it's one of our favourite things. Like, yeah. other, like, as far as, like, we like, we get really into, like, weird little left-wing sects. Yes. Like, the ones, yeah. especially ones that have got, like, four people left. Yeah. They're yeah. particularly good. Um, who still unaccountably print papers and leaflets. <laughs> um, but the grift. Yes, the grift. Political grifters. Yeah. You can't cheat an honest man, never give a sucker an even break, or smarten up a chump. That's a line from the W.C. W. Fields film, You Can't Cheat an Honest Man. <laughs> um, and it's everywhere. I mean, you can talk about kind of Patreon and GoFundMe and Kickstarter as being kind of direct grifts. But there's there's so many of them now Patreon, don't... I don't think Patreon... Patreon is a symptom of something significantly worse in our society. Yeah. That the only way for, um, for creatives outside of the mainstream to make any kind of living is from liter- a literal begging bowl. Yeah. And that's about to go the go a very bad way soon. But like um, GoFundMe, yeah. Indiegogo, Kickstarter, those, these are like, especially the ones for political shit. Mm. Straight grift. It's like when you think of a grift, you think of a a con man, mm. uh, like a con artist, and you think of getting money for mm. something that you were are supposed to do, you're promised to do, and then don't. Right? Yeah. But with political grifts, so often it's kind of that you you kind of get rewarded with that nebulous thing of influence or mm-hmm. clout. Mm-hmm. It's so it, it's so strange, and it can make it more difficult to identify. Yeah, there's like. It goes back a long, long time, like, hmm. grifting. Like, Merlin was the first grifter, <laughs> the first political grifter, just sidling up. Because what you don't know is that he did have a sideline in tables, and that was literally all he did. All it was was he he needed an influencer to hold his table, and that's what he did. That's what he, he you know, pushed Arthur Pendragon into this table bullshit. <laughs> and made a lot of money from tables before yeah. disappearing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the whole thing of him looking younger was just because of all the Botox he had afterwards. <laughs> he only Botox. <laughs> um, but no, like, it does go back a long time. Um, but then, like, the first one I was going to talk about is like, so we've got quite a tradition, the Brits, of sending our worst people. Yeah. Well, I say sending, we, didn't tr- we don't choose to send them. They like the worst people in British society, Brit- upper class British society, mm. will fail at grifting here because we're all onto their bullshit because yeah. we've all seen them at the pub. Yeah. So they go over to America and they start peddling their wares, um, usually to rich families yeah. who don't know better, and tell them what they want to hear. They tell them a soothing bedtime story, and yeah. that's where Sebastian Gorka comes from. Yeah, there's a there's a long history of like um, English writers. Mm. Um, from Dickens onwards, like taking old world like sophistication and mm. literacy, and going over and like educating the rubes, mm. and you know performing their works in in well, drawing rooms and things like that for for feet. Well, the way it's done properly, like um, Alexis de Tocqueville, um, for example, <laughs> um, China Myville went on a when he stopped teaching in one university here and went on a big uh, like essentially a big tour of America mm. being a guest lecturer at loads of different universities mm. and that's essentially what Sebastian Gorka did except instead of going to universities because he's not really welcome in a university he'd go around to different rich bigots houses and tell them that the white race is best <laughs> um, but then because just because by virtue of that you end up 
somehow seen as important. Yeah. Um, and another one that would be like that is pretty much every single think tank mm. on like a more industrialised scale than the kind of the Etsy bigot yeah. of Sebastian Gorka doing, you know, your expensive one but catered specifically to you. Well, the thing with Sebastian Gorka was he, so he did all of these kind of very sketchy kind of qualifications joined the Order of the Dragon yep. in Hungary. Yep. And I think he, he did go through um, like British universities and things like that and started publishing papers and books that were not in any way based in reality. Oh, no, not at all. Um, no. I think he went to... Oh, yeah, he went to St. Benedict's School in Ealing. Ah. And then he did his BA in the University of London. Um, but it's like... He spent... It's weird, because, like, he... I don't know where he comes from. Like, like his accent is very weird. He's got an international accent, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so he, like, he spent a lot like of time Atlantic. in... He spent a lot of time in Hungary. He was in the TA during, the, like, towards the end of the Cold War when he was in university. Really? Yeah, he was in, like, the intelligence division. <laughs> well... Yeah, for the TA. It's, it's... Yeah. Where they taught him to do things like stare across the horizon at a garden party and look yeah. for threats. Um, but so, like... It's like it's almost like like this like a traditional snake oil salesman. There's like a patina of truth to it. There's like you know he's Doctor Sebastian Gorka. It's Doctor Sebastian Gorka's miracle bigot tonic. Yeah, and you know so he goes around doing that. But he also he he because he he does kind of conflict studies. That was mm. what his original kind of thing was on. And um, I think he he produced a book where he was doing the he was just doing the standard Islamophobic war on terror stuff. Um, which one would that be? Would that be Defeating Jihad, the winnable war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or would it be um, the, the, this year's The Art of Winning or last year's Why We winning. Fight? <laughs> um, there was Toward a to Grand Strategy t- Against Terrorism, which has an amazing front cover of a chessboard with like oh. a map of the world behind it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. That's, that, is. that is good stuff. That is some good stuff. I really like that, you know, the world island is centred in the middle, because that's obviously where, where Islam is, and then America's off to the side. Mm-hmm. And they've cha- they've swapped the colours around. Usually you would expect the sea to be blue, but no, it's black. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, he's a bit... He's a bullshit merchant. <laughs> he, 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 he's picked the most lucrative, within that, like, NATSEC world, mm. he's picked the most lucrative thing, because it's something that can be turned from actual kind of like war advice in his mind of this is where you hit except he never says any of that but mm. that's because he needs to keep a kind of cultural edge to it because he needs to be able to turn it into cultural war stuff mm. when like they have now that the war on terror in kind of its its like what would you say in its mass form has kind of petered out mm. like US Definitely. presidents are less and less willing to commit a large number of troops overseas. They prefer drones and, mm. and kind of violence from a distance and proxies mm. like Saudi Arabia and, and, and things like that. Um, but he needs to have that, that you need to have that edge. It's why so many of those, like um, I was looking up, like knew we were doing like grifters and like Robbie Travers. Mm-hmm. Robbie Travers is ba- little baby gawker. Oh yeah. Cause he, cause didn't he first come to attention because of lying about a Muslim? So he kind of set him. It was it was before that he was in like his second year at university doing mm. law, and he set up a load of, I don't know how to put it, but he set up his own think tank in the second year, and 
kind Smart of tried move. to yeah tried to manufacture this 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 like crisis of free speech whereby mm. he was DMing a a Muslim girl at the same university um, and then accused her of. Um, supporting ISIS, and then when she said, I don't support ISIS, you're an idiot, he then went to... He claims to have a lot of contacts, but I don't know who would believe him, but mm. he went... It, like, it appeared in the papers that I was, I was... I'm being investigated by the University of Edinburgh for criticising ISIS. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what happened. And in fact, there's an amazing... Um, I mean, Nick Cohen, of all people, came out and said he's a liar and a fantasist. Yeah. Um, and the Julie Lenars, I think, was at the human... It's the Human Security Council, because he kept calling himself a media manager. He was at university yeah. this whole time, right? But yeah, no, I remember we did an episode other, before, we'd look at yeah, his weird yeah. website. Yeah, um, the Human Security Council, and she said, uh, no, you were never a media manager, hmm. you were a junior. And he's like, well... I think we disagree on that. Goodbye. <laughs> what good day to you. And then he faked his death. And yeah, he, he, he said that, well, the stress of this is causing my hair to... My beautiful, luxurious hair. Awesome. It was ratty and nasty. <laughs> As a man with long hair, my long hair is looked after way better than his. I call him the Timothy Trickster. <laughs> um, he's... <laughs> and uh, he said he was going off Twitter. That lasted maybe two weeks. Yeah. And... Every now and again, I actually looked up the last news story I could find about him, which was last year around conference season. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was, uh, one of the student newspapers found him at the Conservative Party conference and asked him what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "Um, um, I'm here doing what I do, which is basically speaking to people. People ask me my advice. I come, chat to them. I make connections for them. Uh, I don't get hired by these students. I exist in a weird weird bubble in which I know a lot of people, which is quite useful, but I also have a lot of connections to people, not just in the student world, but outside of it. Um, it, You see, that's a a premier bullshit merchant who's been caught out. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm here chatting to people. I do know a lot of people. And it's like, what are you for? I'm a facilitator. What are you for? Who the fuck is coming to you to ask you advice? Like, I don't want to be like youthophobic or anything yeah. like that. I don't think necessarily. I don't think like young like well, people below a certain people. age or there's anything of, like that. There's plenty of young people who like know a lot more than me and are really useful to listen to. Yeah, um, but but not Robbie Travers. Travers is not one of those people. <laughs> no, he doesn't express anything other than a kind of culture war, war of clash of civilizations thing. Yeah. Maybe eight years, ten years too late. Yeah. And he got kind of caught out. Apparently one of the things he was doing while he was head of this think tank as well was um, styling his stationery from the office of Robbie Travers. Awesome. Which apparently copied, was copied like even the font, from the um, office of Tony Blair. Like the, the, Fantastic. That Tony Blair Institute. That's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely that's amazing. really brilliant. That's, like, that's definitely um, Dwight energy of the desk model Don. Yes. Hussein's. Yes, it is. Yeah, that, that's pretty great. Um with the like with the grifters that are doing stuff at the moment, City, um, there's like the, that kind of grift of essentially telling you what you want to hear. And like yes. Robbie Travers' mistake is he was a bit too late to join to join that bandwagon. Trying to gain proximity to, if not power, then influence. Yeah, uh, if he'd been if he was a bit older, um, this where the youth does affect him negatively. He could have seen him being uh, seen as a senior figure in the student in like student politics, despite not holding a single position. Yeah. Um, 
Tom oh, Harwood. he did appear. He did and appear. Then on get, a, I bet you he would have signed the Eastern Manifesto. He would have been one of those guys because oh, he was 100%. ostensibly Labourish. Oh, he's he calls himself an Arch Blairite on Definitely. his um, Twitter profile, yeah. and he would one. He's he is a Eustonite. Yeah. Um, I was just going to mention that whole thing of being a significant figure. Uh, the actual the actual last time I could find him recorded on the internet hmm. was being interviewed alongside um, another student. Discussing um, putting uh, people wearing name badges at Edinburgh University to um, get their pronouns right, because of course, because that's why you need to keep an in. That's why you criticise Islam. That's why you talk about a cultural war because it it opens so many other doors. Of course, I oppose global jihad and Islam. Why, yes, I do have an opinion on trans people. <laughs> you know, yeah. it slips so easily. Yeah, it does. Oh, oh. yeah. But um, so there's that kind of the the comforting grifter telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, and then there's the other one. There's sort of the tech industry grifter. Okay, yeah. Who's the word salad? Just turn up into a room full of venture capitalists, word salad them. Yeah, and then because of the problem, which I think we must have talked about before, but everyone knows that managers aren't very good. And venture capitalists are essentially managers of nothing. Yeah. And it's they work on that logic of that because they're a manager, they understand every single industry known to man. So they always pretend that they know what's going on, which is why Fire Festival happened and that stupid bank card happened. <laughs> and why lots of things like that happen. Why Facebook is worth as much as it is. Mm. All this stuff. Because you can just word salad them and then, you know, you have things like hypermobility, hyperlink. Yeah, hyper, lots of hyper, Copa, hyper global megadeth, <laughs> and then you get all your money. But then that some of that has moved into politics, and I can't think of a big figure in British politics since Steve Hilton with with um, David Cameron's government. Mm. But that was a proper. There's, I'm gonna. It was the, the big society was just gibberish. It was tech mm. gibberish. It was like it wasn't. There was no high tech stuff in it. But it was that kind of nothingness. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of kind of. Um... Like the green, the greening mm. of the Tory Party that that came from, and that's a like a social, that's a social angle as much as it is a like technocratic one, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of kind of technocratic stuff about Northern Powerhouse and how like HS do two comes from there. So yeah. in that box, you can include like Andrew Adonis, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't, he's taken a turn recently and has tried to be more authentocratic, which to him means I'm looking at him this morning babbling like, like a loon. It looks like he's moving into the um to the world of se- the just a, a cycle business of selling I Heart London t shirts. <laughs> but it kind of that, that that language when it's used in a grift is mm. designed to obscure what's not happening as much as what is happening. What yeah. wasn't happening under the big society was the necessary investment to say employ people. Yeah, um, the necessary it, investment to fulfil human needs. It's because of the if it was lucky that the big society failed so quickly, mm. because if they'd managed to run with it, we'd be having we'd be a worse homelessness problem. Uh, yeah, um, significantly. And it's already the it's what, already horrible. What's the big society? Um, it was a, a network of volunteer and community action groups mm. that would do the work of government for no money because they just really like it. Huh. Oh yeah, and now Stuart watching... Hilton looks like he's going to be working with Trump. So I'm looking forward. The thing is, oh really? The difference there is, um, whereas the British, if you say, "Hey, have you ever thought about you know sweep, sweeping the streets for no money?" they go, "No." Whereas if you go to America and say, "Have you ever thought about taking your gun and going Unless... down to the border in Mexico and shooting Mexicans for no money?" they go, "Yes, please." Well, I mean, they won't pick up a broom and sweep the streets unless it's after a riot. Hardly anyone did. 
<laughs> yeah, they got a lot of coverage though, didn't they? They did. They did. All and four that of them was did. that was very much. Oh, that was very yeah, big society. That... By the end, big society was uh, David Cameron quoting that guy who said, "You ain't no Muslim, bruv." Mm. That was big society to him because it was like we must come together and be able to mock the people <laughs> who appear crazy to us. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Ugh. It was very like British sense of humour, that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. It's it's yeah. Steve Hilton is a he's a baffling figure. We did again. We did an episode on him a little because while he is ago a because he's just was... a confusing guy. He's um he's. I mean, yeah, but he's properly in America now because, like, when we yeah, did the thing he's about married, him, he'd left and moved. To, I want to, to say America. he's married to someone quite high up in Google. Um, um, his wife is like head of something at Google. Um, public relations. Oh, she was until 2015. Ah, there we go. Um, now, oh, she was vine, senior vice president of communications and public policy for Uber until 2017. <laughs> Good job. Until April 2017. Um, <laughs> She was vice president of WhatsApp, um, Instagram, and Messenger products for Facebook until 2007, in, in September in 2017. She's, you know, it's that kind of, yeah, tech grifters. I think the, also one of the good reasons, like, let's face it, tech grifters have, have been around since... <laughs> sorry! Sorry, <laughs> So Rachel Whetstone is married to Steve Hilton, whom she met after an affair with Lord Astor, stepfather to Samantha Cameron. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, it's um, nice they're keeping it close, though. Cameron is no longer on speaking terms with Whetstone or Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's like... Oh, fucking hell, the rich. You're so weird. You're so crazy and horrible and weird fucking incestuous groups. Um, yeah. That whole tech grifter thing, kind of... I don't think it ever really... They spoke a lot about it during New Labour. Because hmm. that was what New Labour was was all about. Yeah. It was about setting aside the old the old antagonisms. Class mm-hmm. doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. because tech is going to replace class. Definitely. And I definitely feel that they never quite got there. I mean, what? Gordon Brown went out in 2010. Mm. And I mean, YouTube, Facebook, Google. No, they were still... all around, but they were not absolutely at the heights of dominating literally every waking of our waking moments as yeah. they are now. Yeah. So... Startup culture had not quite kind of kicked in. That was maybe a post-recession thing. No, startup culture had been around, but it, it was, it was, it was not it was in on this the, was, form. Yeah, it was on. No, it wasn't as yeah. bad as it is now. Not as the it's going to be the kind of eva- tech evangelist solution to the next. It was going to be the fifth or sixth industrial revolution. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it was before we had things like people being this person is the youngest billionaire billionaire ever, and you've never heard of them ever. Yeah. Um, I don't think we knew who Bezos was. Yeah, it's a bad. Because yeah, Amazon would um, Amazon started off strong and then had a massive period, a massive slump, mm. and then you know, like now own everything. Yeah, you know. But um, then you have the latest kind of grifter, which I imagine was probably all around, but I can't think of why it would have been. Hmm. But because of the opportunities of Brexit here and Trump in America, yeah, you get the opportunity to have this kind of faux punk, faux radical. Fighting to defend the status quo. Ah, yeah. Grifter. Yes. Um, the Krasensteins in America, um, there's, I think Chapo did a thing about that. There's lots of things about them. But you can see if you want to see about Americans being grifted, um, you can go look, look for that. But here, the main one is Madeleine Kay. Mm. Um, because you would say like some an organisation like Our Future, Our Choice, but they didn't get any money from the public. They're all they're completely astroturfed. <laughs> but Madalena Kay is 
Appears to be doing it all off her own, well, partially off her own back. Well, 501 and people in the last 11 months have given £18,672 to her. <laughs> That's just, what? Why? Six hours ago, someone gave her 20 quid. <laughs> what? Why? But, um, so, like, we've talked about her mm. before, but, you know, so she's an illustrator... Yeah, she put she puts herself about as a, an illustrator and musician. And she's she's been like book a, author. she's been a yeah well she's um, been she's been on YouTube and and kind of had this particular branding the Alba White Wolf, which is either extremely intentionally fascist or just accidentally fascist. I don't know the white. Fascist. It must be. I mean, she must just she has a a big white dog. Yeah, um, yeah. She has a white shepherd, I think. Yeah, but um. Yeah, she. I think it's accidental because there's a lot of stuff that she does out of sheer ignorance on the subject. It's one of the things, like one of the, one of the reasons why she is so infuriating, mm. is because she wades in with all this arrogance and posturing, mm. and she doesn't know anything she's doing. Like that video, I think, like you or Rob sent earlier with her dancing with the um, that disgusting paedophile oh, um, uh, Neil, racist priest Neil Horan. His name is discredited. He has been. He is. He was a guy who um, started prophesying the end of the world and started uh, running on the track at like the 2006 Olympics mm-hmm. um, and during like marathons and things like that. Um, and now we actually saw him and didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah. But he dresses up as a leprechaun with a star of David on his chest, yep. carrying billboards saying stuff like uh, Adolf Hitler was right. Uh, God is actually a true anti-Semite, yeah. um, and various things like that. You know, he's a really kind of unpleasant character to have to consider at any public gathering. But yep. uh, he's been barred from most places in uh, Central yeah. London, so you don't tend to see him that often. Yeah, but when she saw him, she immediately starts dancing with him and playing around with him and a... doing an Irish accent. Yeah, that was horrible, horrible. It's... But she does it like I imagine. I assume. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, out of supreme ignorance. Oh, no. I don't think she knew who he was. In fact, I think the most damning thing there is the way that she was... She's like... Her her worst traits Mm. are not only how loud and how kind of self-promoting she is. There's a a YouTube video where she does an interview with a... um, some kind of like graphite engineer and talks oh, about it's a company that invented a, a graphite a, a graphite, graphite with a grant from the EU yeah. and it's not that it's she's putting the microphone into this like into this woman's face and then staring at the camera mm. like saying see 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 now you can't deny that the EU's great and it's um, like who are you tra- who are you talking to yeah i think one of the things with her that's particularly annoying is like i think gorker is a true believer in his stuff. Hmm. I think he believes his bullshit. I think he always has a side eye on what my next job's going to be. But, yeah, I but I think that ultimately he fits in. He, he complements the rest of it. Yeah, sure. I think he's a white supremacist Cold Warrior. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think... And if there's I, not a Cold War, I'll invent one. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Madalena Kay believes anything apart from... You really um, not? I think she just believes in self-promotion. Um, you... You should like the way that she was dancing around as if that defeat in Parliament of um, Theresa May's deal was somehow anything to do with her. Um, mm. Like her fucking books, that of course none of them would sell at all ever. Well, like okay, here's I'm gonna go through some of her amazing books: 
Go back to where you came from. <laughs> that can't be what. That can't be like. No, I know. I know. That's like what it's that's, I know that's what that's it's what, called, but it can't be. It's not. An, go back to where you. Go, no, go back no, to where you yeah, came from. It's a children's picture book about the refugee crisis, published in October two thousand sixteen. Right. The book tells the plight of the refugee refugees okay. and features LGBTQ plus characters. It's about diversity, compassion, and tolerance in the widest possible sense, encouraging cultures to accept and embrace each other's differences. Uh-huh. The book is being used in primary schools as a teaching aid, and sales have raised eighteen hundred pounds. It is. Some of the worst drawings I've ever seen with like crying stars and um, what looks like a Saudi drowning her dog. Okay. Um, it, but I, I, she doesn't care about immigration because she's one of those hard, like, we could have hard borders if we stay in the EU, people. Excuse me, I think you'll find the EU was the first person to put up razor wire on Italian beaches. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But she, you know, like, so I don't believe that, that she did the. Theresa may be in Brexit. I basically the the way I try and think about her is what her thing is is very um, exuberant and quite crude, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not mad at crudity in politics. I'm not no. mad at people being loud in politics. What I don't like is the kind of angle that she's either consciously or unconsciously going for. Because you've got to think about who. Who is she trying to talk to? She's on a bus. She goes and she does kind of weak satire mm-hmm. and songs. Now that's about taking politics from a kind of dull, boring, like procedural thing mm. and putting it into a, a, a cultural thing. But what you end up with is like a map political cartoon come to life. Yeah. And she like or uh, oh, isn't have I got news for you? Great. Wouldn't it be better if they had cartoons on it as well? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. And it's. Maybe she can be forgiven for it, but like it, it's not enough. Well, it's 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 not enough to just have that have that kind of self-publicizing indie musician on tour kind of attitude with the kind of lame lame catchphrases hmm. and the 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 buzzwords, and then act like you've done anything. Well, you know the thing is. I don't think she does believe it. But, okay, I have a very negative view on hardcore fuppies. Yeah, I think any one of them who has only has started going on now about how uh, hard Brexit is going to cause immiseration to the entire country and poverty, but all kept their mouth shut when we had to balance the books because of austerity, mm. uh, because of you know the deficit. I think they're all liars, mm. and it does. Really, it always comes back to their fucking holidays, mm. um, and with. Her, I imagine it's a bit like you see, like oh god, here it is, the fucking the worst one, the twenty four reasons to remain yeah. thing, where she talks about all the amazing things she loves about Brexit. Now about about the EU and does she mention who, food? Does she mention holidays? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to go through it. Yeah, here is if you were genuinely inspired by this to be a protester mm-hmm. to fight the good fight and try and save something, yeah. then there's something wrong with you. Because, okay, the 45 years of peace thing is nebulous bullshit. Yeah. Easy air travel. Freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. But it's not really freedom of which, like, which they even go on about now, the fuppies. Yeah. Because they're all willing to like have controls on immigration. They want more. Mm. They're like saying, oh, we have to. Um, the medicines agency. The arrest, arrest warrant. Employee rights. 
which you know you have to sign away a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, ban on discrimination. Oh yeah, no one gets discriminated against anymore since the EU came in. Yeah, that's why it's so great to be Jewish in Hungary. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, consumer rights, climate change action, clean yeah, air quality, that... all this stuff that they don't really do. The common fisheries policy. Who goes to protest for the common fisheries policy? Unless you're protesting against it by like throwing dead fish in the Thames like a crazy like ukipper. Hmm. Um, the Rural Development Fund, animal rights. Which animal rights in the EU? They're you know it's like we have better animal rights than they do in other countries, but it's not fucking great because you know hmm. foie gras. Erasmus Plus. That's the oh, to university the, um, the, different... the the studying in different countries. Yeah, yeah. which Again, is none of these things are none of these things are bad. Yeah, of course they're not. No, but. You're talking about like any 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 person who's going to get kind of serious about this thing is not only asking about where the limits lie on mm. that list. They're also asking how did those things come about in the first place? How did we? How did somebody decide that climate change was a thing to do? Mm. And how did somebody decide the limits of climate change policy and how far it should go mm. within the EU? Because it wasn't the fucking voters. Mm. It wasn't the even the MEPs because they have very very little power, even less power than MPs. Mm. It was. The commission, it was like that elite class of technocrats. Mm-hmm. And yes, climate change action is important, but it's not going to go far enough, especially where it trips over other priorities for them, like well, profit making. Here's this, this is nice, like three bits here. Mm. Single market, customs union, export market. All things that, you know, you'd go to protest to defend. Yeah. And finally, prosperity. But here's the thing, like, Prosperity. I don't go to as many protests as I should. They're normally the kind of protests that will get me and you out of bed and going are mm. anti-fascist ones. Yeah. Because the idea of those, of those scumbags marching around in where we live or anywhere that we can get to, it, it's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. The idea of, like, giving up on everything and travelling around the country because of the single market or the EU arrest warrant, mm. you are 100% doing it to market your books, your YouTube channel, and your stupid songs that you're trying to sell. I unless maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that I just don't understand because, as she said herself, she scored like over ninety five percent on her international baccalaureate. Oh really? <laughs> okay, then question. I think we asked this on the music episode mm-hmm. that we did around New Year's. Mm-hmm. Who does she appeal to? I've worked it out because of all the um, all the people who donate money. Yeah. Um. It's um. It, it's centrist dads who want a banger. Oh really? Um. Okay. Because I would have thought... Okay, I'm not going to read surnames because I've always like, here's a list of the people whose fault is. But they're all names like Richard, Christian, Chris, Doug, (laughs) Stuart. I mean... I'm not doing their surnames. It could be... Yeah, but that could be any names. No, but it's all male names. That's what I was getting at. Okay, all right. They're all men. They're all men. And Ah. all the comments are all men. You're doing amazing. You're so brilliant. This is vital. This is all important. You're just the best campaigner ever. I've been following your efforts closely for the last two years. You see, like, I would... Yeah, you're right, centrist dad. I would have actually pegged also a little older because they're the kind of people... They're not They're not right-wing. They maybe used to be liberals in all of the classic centrist mm-hmm. parlance or yeah, yeah. the kind of breaking down the social dynamics of that term. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would be slightly older because they would be kind of uh, boomers or very early Gen Xers who are very nihilistic about what happened, like carried their nihilism through their 20s, their 30s and their 40s, and now find something that they're really passionate about. Holidays. And don't... And don't... um, 
don't know what to do with it because they've spent their lives so uh, depressed about politics or whatever that they then can't engage. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they look at Madalena Kay and see is, ah, yes, stereotype of a young person. She's clearly interested in yeah. politics and she's so enthusiastic. Look yeah. how colourful. Politics doesn't have to be boring or stupid. Look at her. <sighs> it's like, it's very much that focus of attention on politics that is different but also ineffectual Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be boring look at me i've got a guitar the thing that i'd say about her and the final thing i'll say about and this is why i I think that realistically she is identical to milo yiannopoulos oh bold claim because not you know okay so she doesn't actively like market hate (laughs) but i don't think she believes like i don't think she really cares in the same way that I don't think Milo Yiannopoulos really believes anything he does ever. He just believes in selling the Milo show. He would be the he would be king, king obvious grifter. Let's say yeah, because yeah, he's gotten jobs out of what he's done. Mm-hmm. He's but he's also gotten directly a lot of conned money, <laughs> like he's defrauded literally. Oh, yeah. A shit ton of money. So did you know... Oh, he's better at it than she is because he has he is made and then had taken away from him a lot more money. <laughs> he managed to um, con... Was it Simon & Schuster? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the people who were going to publish his book. Yeah, and then they realised that he couldn't write. Because <laughs> it was just like a whole load of like racist jokes, <laughs> essentially. So he actually... Um, he started another Patreon... Of course he did. Um, that just got chucked off of... Uh... So he he said... Uh, he, he wrote on his Patreon page, I've had a miserable year or two, banned and deplatformed and censored and blacklisted and I now need your help. I want to get back on my feet and come back roaring back in 2019. Um, for £2.50 a month, uh, $2.50 a month or more, supporters of Yiannopolis were invited to join Milo's Big Gay Army. Additional tiers for those donating more cash included Sassy Bitch, Cheerleader... And Trigger Squad. Oh my god. Those donating over $750 a month, benefits awesome. offered included an elite tier coffee mug, Fantastic. a handwritten thank you letter, awesome. and exclusive invitations to drinks when Milo is in your city. Brackets, you're buying. Of course you are. That's so great. Oh god. Oh. Uh, he got chucked off by Patreon. He got banned. Of course he would. <laughs> of course he would. So he started an Indiegogo because if he's got he's got some kind of cancer. <laughs> that he needs money for. Um, no, he's terrible. Um, but but he's the most obvious one. Yeah, he is the most obvious materially benefited. I, I don't think he believes in anything. I think he's. I think he's. He is a, a racist and a misogynist and a transphobe. He's a bigger. I think he's a, a rea- He's a bigger and a reactionary and a, a transphobe. Hmm. But the specific style of conservative that he is has changed so much because when he first started, he was a proper like old fogey. Yeah, he was a proper kind of oh you know, gay people back in the closet. We don't yeah. need to see all that. Yeah. And um, then as soon as he started kind of getting on Gamergate, he suddenly became, I'm out and proud and conservative. Mm-hmm. And he had that ability to well, the metamorphosis him within a very those like, kind of grifters limits. need to find their grift that they can do. Mm. That they, That's the best one that they can do. Yeah. And if Brexit hadn't happened, Madalena Kay would not be doing anything. She would be a failing musician, failing children's author. She'd be doing something along those lines yeah. if Brexit didn't happen. She wouldn't be protesting anything else. Hmm. I, it, I have a problem like allocating, with a lot of these people, I have a lot of a problem allocating an appropriate level of cynicism to what it is they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
we have so many. She's a Lib Dem. She has absolutely no principles whatsoever. <laughs> she is spineless jelly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I just. I, I, I don't know how. Maybe it's because I don't know how people can be fucked to live like that. Like, it's well easy to hold very strong beliefs and do nothing about them. What do you think this podcast is? <laughs> do you know what I mean? As opposed to yeah. holding no beliefs and then work a fuck ton to actually but, put those non beliefs into action. I just don't know. Yeah, but she's just it. using it as a piggyback to get attention for her shitty music. We'll see when the first non-Brexit-related song comes out. But I just... Yeah, maybe. I mean, God knows the world is full of opportunities for this kind of... That kind of self-promotion. I mean, the internet is just, it's mm. just, it's just made for it. And mm-hmm. like we say, there's so many different tools now you can use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound like grandpas. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I don't... Yeah, I think she... Yeah, I just don't... I just don't she, she you is, don't buy it? Not at all. Not at all. She is. She. It's the interview, like that interview with the the lab with the graphite sieve, graphite sieve, yeah. where it doesn't matter what they're saying because it doesn't matter because it's the Madalena K show. But what's the end game for it? Where does it go from there? Does it just um, continue from Patreon to Patreon, or campaign career. to campaign? Hmm. She wants a pop career or a selection of no children's books. There's no such thing as a pop career. Anymore, yeah, but she is doesn't there? know anything because she went to a fucking public school, so she doesn't know how the Did world she? works. That's how you get an international baccalaureate. Uh... That's well, so you don't buy it at all. I, I do buy no, it. No. I, I buy that she... The whole thing with FUBPs is that they're incredibly worked up about something else. It's not just the EU. No, I mean, I this she, was the whole centrist dad thesis I in the first place. They're not worked up about the EU. What they're worked up about is a particular kind of status quo mm-hmm. with assured institutions that they could choose not to join. I think she's piggybacking a, off it to get they attention. They do not like the fact that now they have to get involved. It's not assured anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't keep that shit ticking along because mm-hmm. it's gotten to a crisis point. We're in a, a political crisis and they don't like it. No, I think she's different to the rest of the FUPPies. Yeah. I don't think she's like Gina Miller with the like admitting that she, that she was more afraid of Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> than Brexit. Um, hey, say what you want. Gina Miller has been the most successful person at uh, trying to put a stop stuff. to Brexit. Well, yeah, she's the only one who's actually done she something. Went, <laughs> she went to court and she asked the manager of England <laughs> to put a stop to it. And fair play, they did. Um, yeah, they gave her free fi- free fries. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's still happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, this, I, she just rubs me up the wrong way. And we'll see. We'll watch her over the next couple of years and watch as she disappears yeah. and does something else. Yeah, can't stop. Yeah. Okay, so that's Madalena Kay. She's not really doing much at the moment because, you know, she won Brexit. She's Brexit doing the same thing. She's just, it's just yeah. incessant noise. Mm-hmm. Mm. But there's one that has turned up now. Uh, this week, it's yeah. been very prominent. New Brexit, new um, grifter on the block. Yep. Um, Victoria Bateman. Mm-hmm. The Naked Fubby. Yes. An economic historian and fellow at Cambridge. Yep. Um, it's like the longer we do the podcast and I pay attention to, you know, you get academics in the news. Yeah. The more I think that it's a lie that the ultimate grift is Oxbridge. <laughs> and it's been that way for thousands of years. <laughs> um, because she's not very smart. Um, so, like, she has appeared this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gave a lecture at Cambridge in Ted the buff. Talk. A TED Talk, sorry. 
in the buff mm-hmm. uh, with Brexit painted across her body um, and this got the news the news pipes twitching it did uh, she has then gone on to do a number of interviews naked uh, this isn't the first time she's done it. She no. did it a couple of years ago for Brexit. Yep. And I think she did it before as well. Something about the female body is nothing to be... Like, a female did it as well, didn't they? They they, yeah. they, they did things where they would, like, protest speeches yeah. or p- protest outside mosques. Yeah. Um, <laughs> naked to say the female body is nothing to be... Yeah. Nothing to be ashamed of. A kind of... Th- 60s throwback almost. Yeah, that's like. the thing. Like, it goes into the, the thing I was saying about like um, Madeleine McKay and what Brexit has brought about is this opportunity to pretend you're radical by being actually quite normal and in favour of the status quo. By taking a lot of tropes from previous generations as mm. well, like you're looking at a book yeah. and thinking this will be on the that was the year that was 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, can you think of a reason why you would do a TED Talk in the buff and go on Good Morning Britain and, and like and then be able to pivot that into a, a, a appearance on Good Morning Britain. Why? Being able to go in all kinds of different places. Why, why would, would you need to do why that? Why would a public intellectual do a very obvious PR stunt? Because uh, of their deeply held principles. It's not anything to do with themselves or their personal remuneration timetable. Or a book coming out uh, on the 29th of March. <laughs> <laughs> No um, way. Which has like her silhouette on it as well, I think. Okay, what's it about? Do you know? Have uh, you seen? It's an economic bollocks book. Yeah. Now, uh, when, when like a qualifier here, when I when she, when we say like economic historian fellow at Cambridge, yeah. she is hard hard Thatcherite right. Oh yeah, she's written um, for the Cow Magazine. She writes for the uh, unmissable website, unmissable unmissable Cow website. Yeah. Uh, people don't think in herds, just like cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think in herds. Um. And she and writes, like how she has like some really <laughs> radical theories on how feminism's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, she also writes for Capex, yeah, which is the venture capital funded pro pro free market capitalism magazine, where yeah. she has written such illuminating articles as why poor people should stop having children. <laughs> um, I actually just saw this today because I, I knew like what you know what Capex is, yeah, but. Um, she, she, I just want to read out one, one little, little thing here from this, this article on why the West, why the West came to dominate the world economically. Now, there's always a slight racist thing in there, but I was more thrown by what she said about kind of the industrial revolution and how it came to be. Like, okay. uh, Western success was not purely based on market activity; it was also founded upon life outside of the market, in the in- intimate domain of people's love lives. Tough loved ruled. Unless your individual economic circumstances permitted, starting a family was simply off the cards. Marriage and reproduction were not to be entered into lightly. Couples were precluded from reproducing until they were financially able to deal with the consequences. The preclusion was not through any legal means, but instead through the fear of destitution. Um, While this might have seemed to have been a rather cruel state of affairs, it succeeded in keeping population in line with the economy's ability to produce, supporting a higher standard of living for for everyone. Sacrifice and restraint yields rewards, and as the saying goes, there is little gain without pain. Now, you see that and realise that she doesn't specifically name it, but she's talking about the rise of the West, so she's talking about 1700s, 1800s. What do you associate when you think of the 1800s and 1900s in terms of the working environment? Um, Smart people deciding when to have children. (laughs) You think of a 
burgeoning population yeah. near penury, near subsistence, yeah. below subsistence most of the time, mm. having other children. There are other dynamics working there that mean that having lots of children, especially when you've got a 50% child mortality <laughs> rate, suddenly having lots of children seems like a clever idea. Yeah. I do not know where she gets the gall as an economic historian to write that, uh, like, like to write that kind of stuff. Mm. Who does she think was reining it in? Who does she <laughs> think was like withdrawing before? You know, yeah. who did she think? What? What did she? Th- why did she think that? Oh wow, all these cities are getting really, really overpopulated. These slums, just full of sensible people, <laughs> maximizing their life choices. <laughs> like that's no slur on people who on no. poor people and people who have lots of children. It was a fact yeah. for a number of different reasons. But the idea that she would just straight out say, no, that's not how it happened, just to fit her <clears> idea of like the rise of Western civilization is balmy. I, like now, even now, I don't know many people who've, who, choo- who chose when to have kids based on their money. Yeah. Because that, yeah, it's... Um, she it's, have- it's just a lie. This isn't just... Uh, angling, angling the facts to 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 make uh, to make something seem better. Mm-hmm. It's a straight up falsehood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. She's um yeah. Her book is the Sex Factor: How Women Made the West Rich. Okay. I wonder if she. I wonder if she's going to be one uh, of those women. History. I wonder if she's <laughs> going to be one of those um those women who says that women didn't do anything bad during the empire. <laughs> because they didn't they were a necessary restraining force with co- com- the like natural compassion and humanity that comes queen, to the queen female victoria, sex queen victoria had absolutely no agency that kind of person the one that says queen elizabeth didn't do shit <laughs> you know that you know those you know what i, I mean, mean she's she's so she's quite um uh, vocally pro sex work um, hmm. Which at first is like, oh, that's that's a that's a refreshing. She's just not in favour of the persecution of sex work. Yeah, sure, sure. Do you know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Pro sex worker. Yeah. Except when it comes to them actually unionising or having any employment rights. Oh no, I imagine she's got some opinions on how basically our contracts would revolutionise <laughs> the sex work industry. Basically, most of the reason for being kind of like yeah. pro like pro sex workers' rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. <clears throat> She's doing such an obvious grift now. Like, oh, yeah. The amount oh, of yeah. um, fuppies that took her to heart straight away and it's like, didn't even look, like, for just a little bit into what else she'd written. They didn't even type her name in online. Yeah. They just assumed that because she had, like, Brexit is bad written across her tits, that obviously she was one of them. I mean, that's... Not that- realising that she's li- she's a perfect example of why people like us aren't massively into the EU. It's because, of course, people like her love the EU. It matches up with Madalena Kay in that what it does is replicate a previous form of, of protesting that's almost apolitical mm. because it's based on these universal truths. Everybody likes music, bright colours, mm. and like the, and everybody likes the idea of the liberated human yeah, yeah. female form. Almost, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a it's meant to be this underlying truth put in service of what is a purely political question. Ultimately, whether we leave the EU or not and how we leave the EU should not be a moral question. This isn't... We're not dealing with base principles here. We're dealing with a technical solution. At at, at its heart, it's, it's... 
it's money, it's how you want your economy to look, it's how you want to trade with the rest of the world, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Dry, technical questions. I'm sorry if that's boring, <laughs> but that's the fucking nature oh. of the EU. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, that's what economics is. It's fucking deathly important, and mm. I mean that. Like, it's, yeah. it's vitally and deathly important. Mm. But the attitude of a lot of FUBPs has been, let's do a PR stunt. It's all very... It's all very product launch. Mm-hmm. It's all very advertise advertising led, which is why you get the whole thing of well, this is this like all of the the fubpy stuff has been uh, astroturfed yeah. because it's something that they would think of. It's Definitely. a way that they those people. I mean, people like Peter Mandelson, Andrew Adonis. It's the way that they think politics works, Definitely. and indeed the way they worked politics yeah. when they were prominent. Yeah, you know. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, so she did this in 2014. Oh, yeah. Um, the purpose is to ask questions about the sexualization of women in modern society. Uh-huh. Like, ask que- what question? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> the question is, why? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's... I love that, 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 open, that open question of when you don't really have a firm, a firm... Do you know what? In private, maybe she does have a really firm grasp of... of gender issues Mm. but none of that's on display no (laughs) um like in that kind of thing that's i get i get yeah there's i get big turf vibes from her really i don't know maybe it's the timoshenko hair it just (laughs) feels like i don't know yeah i don't know i've I've seen her hair very few very few women i've seen go for the the timoshenko yeah it's the the coil around the thing it's a bold move it's a bold move because it looks so much like those images of nazi mothers in 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 german propaganda really does war but um i'm sure that's not the intent but i can't help but think about that well, no, I'm sure an economic historian is just a coincidence. She <laughs> 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 like saw her post and was like, "Yes, that's a good look." But, um, yeah, I, d- I don't know what like she she's sort of I don't know she's I think maybe she's screwed up a bit with um her book launch though. Yeah, because it feels like it's too long away. Like, mm, is she going to be on March the news 29th. now solidly for like another month? No, she won't be on the or news. She'll so- be back because March 29th, Brexit Day. She, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People, advertising is not necessarily about keeping people constantly aware mm. of your thing, unless it's like a time-limited thing. Mm-hmm. It's not about keeping people aware of it, but if somebody is going to decide to buy an economics book and like do some good reading, mm-hmm. when they come to the economics book, they're going to remember that name. Yeah, that's the yeah. it's that that's how you market like brands. The person who buys her economics book because they're going to do some smart economics reading is bad person yeah uh i i I don't want to get snobbish about like the popular histories and stuff like that but they all fucking have them Mm -hmm. and they've all got really well-paid tenured jobs Mm -hmm. and like there's tons and tons of of economic historians who are doing much better quality work like who don't get the the recognition that someone like a, a victoria bateman would do you're you just know? bitter that you couldn't be a successful economic historian. You could, I, have, maybe, you could have been naked. I would never want to. I, I did could study have been naked writing history. Das Kapital all over your naked body. <laughs> it would take a while. Yeah. Really small font. Just like, <laughs> just really small to get it all on you. Actually, yeah, you'd look like um Figgy, oh shit, what's his name? Um, Albert, when he came back from Japan. And he had the bad writing on. 
Oh, um, um, Tensai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you came back as Tensai. Yeah, you <laughs> could Tensai. Have, you'd, you'd look like a you'd look like a uh, chubby communist Tensai. Well, Tensai was already <laughs> lots of chubby. puzzling over which of the apocryphal notes from the Grundrisse to include on my heel. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it's um, it's like the thing is with the grift is you're always looking to pivot to the next platform, the next bigger platform to to get your bigger mark. Yes. Yeah. And like. So, like we said before, like yeah, she was she had a TED talk. Uh, well, she has a big platform anyway because she teaches at Cambridge. Sure. Then she gets and she's doing her writing for the Cal website. She's writing for Capex, and then she gets a TED talk, so she gets a bit of an audience from that. But it's not that big. It's not a big enough audience. Mm. So she manages to pivot that into being on like the Today the Today program and like um Good Morning Britain. Question time eventually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's she, like doing that, looking for the bigger and bigger mark. Yeah, that's so like she's a a good actually a good example of of the grifter. Maybe that's what yeah. she's going to do for the next month. Just moving bigger and bigger until she's having a debate with um, Theresa May. There was someone. There was someone commented underneath when when somebody pointed out that she is, and I mean, I don't mean to understate this. She is a virulent Thatcherite. Like, oh yeah, ex, an extreme free, mm-hmm. like almost libertarian mm-hmm. level of free market capitalist. Yeah, and someone mentioned that underneath one of her posts, or some someone else pointing that out. And her fub he said, "Well, what does that matter? She opposes Brexit." There we go. And there we go. You've smuggled in. Because you haven't been paying attention to everything else, you've sacrificed everything for this kind of particular cause. Mm-hmm. You've forgotten the rest of politics. You've yeah. forgotten the rest of everything else. And your morality is now based on a single issue mm-hmm. that brings in, because you're attached to like a personality rather than a, a critique of personality rather than a, a, a critique of structure, mm-hmm. you've you've lost all that. I know it's a lot for people to like to expect people to do, especially kind of we've got this particular celebrity culture in, in place, mm-hmm. this kind of media, but it's I don't think it's enough. It's not good enough. No. It's not a good enough politics. No. You know? No. And of course the question remains like why we're so vulnerable to why there's so many at this point. Mm-hmm. Now obviously you can say like the platforms are there, the internet's there. You weren't getting, you weren't grifting in newspapers as much. You couldn't no. be as good at it. It was a slower process. Now you can just put something up on Patreon, on YouTube, on mm. Twitter, whatever. Um, but I was looking into into this uh, thing mainly to do with like like far right, like far right grifters. Mm-hmm. So you know your your Milos, your Cernoviches, people like that. Um, and kept, like reading this thing about something called the occult economy, mm-hmm. right? So it was. Originally, it was this thesis developed by Jean Komarov and John Komarov. I do not know if they're brothers. They're presumably, they're brothers. But calling one John and one Jean... No, in my, in my head now, it's going to be like um, the is, Dean in Community where he's like, good news and bad news, dressed as one person, like different outfits <laughs> on either side. And one's French and one's English. So it's like Jean and John. Okay, carry on. Don't mess with the Komarov or you get the Komarov. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, basically, they, they wrote this article called Millennial Capitalism, which posits that... In times when the rich are getting richer without appearing to do anything of substance, mm-hmm. um, there that has a commensurate effect on levels of like like magical thinking and mm-hmm. supernatural thinking mm-hmm. and corruption. Um, productive labour in in general isn't the kind of pillar that the West stands on anymore. No. It's not a profit. Most of most profit in this country, most of the, the kind of growth in profit doesn't come from necessarily from direct production but comes from things like you know speculative finance mm. um, and that has an effect on the way capitalist societies are organized 
um, the whole experience of neoliberalism for most people is this for most people around the world is this kind of sudden infusion of wealthy people that appears not to have come from work um, offers these unimaginable riches to people who can master like its technology mm. it's the way things are done and at the same time it impoverishes people who don't people yeah. who are you know in the centrist term left behinds mm. can get completely destroyed by it um, there are so many kind of less tangible ways of earning a, earning money now you know, you can have control over. You can be a Carillion. I mean, I know they own things, but hmm. the actual, the actual money comes from government contracts, which yeah. doesn't appear linked to actual achievement. Um, you can also, you know, talk about like communication technologies, tech, um, and above all, like finance capital hmm. doesn't appear to be generating value from any particular thing. Um, none of this stuff has has any grounding in material reality. But the people who are involved in it and who who know the code. Um, can get very, very rich. Um, Non-elites, at the same time, tend to absorb that logic um, and try to resolve the un inherent unfairness in it by trying to make it like make that logic work for them using the tropes and ideas that are, are local to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see surges in, like, say, it, the, most of the studies on it was done in kind of African countries, Ghana and Nigeria, but you see surges in occult practices, so like prosperity doctrine, mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, Belief in angels, fortune telling, uh, like traditional practices, and you know astrology. Um, but I don't, I, I, don't, um, I, I don't have a negative opinion on any of the magic stuff. No, no at no, all. No, not not at all. But it's it's interesting because it magic. It's interesting to see what causes the rise in the prevalence of it. Yeah, like tarot is more popular now than when I when we were teenagers. Yes, definitely. Magic. Magical thinking in this sense emphasizes so it's non causal and non local stuff. Mm -hmm. So, mimicking what's happening in the kind of elite sectors of the economy, mm -hmm. um, you look to gain wealth through similar kind of methods, i.e., grifting, mm -hmm. corruption, um, and stuff like luck, stuff to do mm -hmm. with luck, mm -hmm. lotteries, and gambling. Like, gambling a few years ago was kind of the mark of a, a cheat. Mm. Like a scoundrel, it was something yeah. to be kind of hidden away. Now, not only does neoliberalism and kind of like capitalism use gambling logic in the stock market, they also like rely on casinos literally to revitalize areas and provide income streams. Yeah. Hence the fixed odds betting terminal thing, because Issues, it's yeah. it's it's a big big earner for them. Mm -hmm. um, and like the obvious manifestation of kind of stopping thinking in causal ways, stopping thinking that if I do A, it will result in B, mm -hmm. having no obvious path there. The obvious uh, stemming from that is like conspiratorial thinking, mm -hmm. you know, thinking there are rich, powerful people who accumulate power and wealth without ever, ever kind of stepping into the real world. Yeah. Indeed, they go to great lengths to hide their interactions with the real world. So if you take, for example, like alt-right grifters with something to sell, so the underlying message from reactionaries about race, gender and class has that like non-causal thing. It, it puts them with the people who are saying, oh, look, it's LGBT people or people of colour. They're getting something for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're winning unfairly. Mm -hmm. What quite what they're winning, you know, is is up to them. Um, it's not true, but it presupposes certain like rules of the game mm -hmm. that these people are circumventing or, or breaking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's white, that's white resentment. And it's not hard to see how, say, um, like George Soros or Russia conjuring up Black Lives Matter from nowhere, yeah. apparently nowhere, suddenly it, it, it 
the it's chain a, of causation that you should use in that is over-policed, over-militarized yeah. uh, uh, communities of color um, have bro- have been have been oppressed to a point where they cannot put up with it anymore. With such obvious, flagrant examples of oppression, that's the causal relationship. Mm. But no. It's Soros paying. No, they go for the more compelling story, yeah. which is everything is fair, therefore it's foreign to foreign manipulation. Yeah, demons. Um, it's the it's the kind of like magical thinking that you find in in fascist societies. Yeah. So you get like um, a Mike Cernovich. Mike Cernovich has set up guerrilla mindset. Yeah. Now that is a magical system mm-hmm. because he promises results based on taking these nootropics mm-hmm. and reading this book and like doing posture mm-hmm. and doing mindset. Yeah. That's change through will. That's the mm-hmm. basis of magical. Oh, that's like magical, that's exactly the kind of chaos thinking. magic shit I read when I was a kid. Yeah. Except, Jordan, you know, it's shitty. Instead of um, like good drugs, it's shitty nootropics. <laughs> um, Jordan Peterson's exactly the same. It's, yeah. it's not change through effort. It's not mm. change through work. It's change through outlook. It's change through mindset. Again, yeah. change through will. Um, and yeah, it, it's associated with society's turn to fascism because you put the emphasis not on material things, not on causal relationships. You put it on spectral solutions with unclear relationships to the actual problem. Hmm. It's like, oh, I've I've lost a job, therefore I can blame like I blame an immigrant because they are distant to me. There's no causal relationship. Hmm. You know, there's a a a cultural kind of non causal relationship between that that you've yeah. been told. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's based in ideas, not not in material reality. Um, but you see, like their solution to things are like buy these plastic straws and brain pills to ward off political correctness and antifa. Yeah, buy this thing to ward off evil. Yeah, you know, um, put the. Uh, I love this one as well. Put this bacon in the vegan option on a menu mm-hmm. to break the vegans' magic privilege to not eat the same thing as you to yeah. order something else off the menu. Yeah, you've got a situation where somebody has a privilege mm-hmm. and you're using a magic spell to break it. Mm-hmm. It's it. Uh, I mean, it works with um, like people being Islamophobic and talking about like putting bacon and oh, that's like, like greasing up um, bullets. Like Americans being like yeah, straight up anointing them with holy pig fat. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. It's it's always one easy secret, one magic sentence to take down the SJ, SJWs. Who mm. you know they're the ones who don't have to work to get success. Yeah, um, but like. I think it's quite important with like um, liberal grifters as well. This this magical thinking produces its own realities in all sorts of ways, and the griftiness, one easy secret thing inherent in an occult economy, also applies to kind of Russiagate people, mm-hmm. um, and to a certain extent like Warhawks and Eustonites as well. Um, there's this belief in magical journalism or free speech that will cure all the corruption and set things right. Mm-hmm. How does this help the world? So in the model, a brave reporter or a truth teller through moral purity and cleansing, pierces the veil, sees beyond into the murky occult world, and resurfaces to portray that, like, the world, whether it's, like, to the, like, whether it's Assad massacres or Russian bots. Or work at Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Well, they go into the other world, Mm. and they pull out what the truth, Mm. and then they put the truth on display for everyone to see. Like, and that's fine. It's yeah. like it's like a um, saying a demon's true name and then being bound. Mm. You know, they're bound by words. And of course, then that bad thing that can be identified and destroyed by the rest of us mm. or by the authorities or whoever. But that's of course not how power works in a causal no. relationship. Um, pointed to something might undermine its authority, but it doesn't destroy its power, especially you know when it doesn't exist. Yeah. 
Um, so you'll get takes about how Russia and Iran are like, again, unfairly allowing Assad to win, hmm. not being able to appreciate the causal relationship and real material relations like on the ground. That's, mm. that's magical thinking. Mm-hmm. The idea that he was predestined to defeat other, except the West wouldn't use their magic that would have automatically made them win. Yeah. Um, bombing and kind of military action is presented as a trump card, one easy trick, by which, of course, we would get a democratic, prosperous Middle East. Um, we don't need to think about how that actually works or mm. the effects of that. And then, of course, after all the ho- obvious horror and barbarity happens, and they can always say, like with Iraq, that the spell wasn't done properly. Yeah. You know? Mensch, Louise Mensch, is a yeah. perfect example of this. She's promised to end Trump early. She offers unique, privileged information, but also like the right order that the words need to go in oh, for the spell also, to work. All of her fucking sources, she might as well have a black mirror. There's, there's literally no, there's no causal relationship between what she says and the things that happen. Mm. She is a say, she's, she's holding a, she's virtually holding a séance. Mm-hmm. You know, like her pronouncements and like always pronouncing the judgment that waits upon the invocation of like obscure acts of law mm. and clandestine sources, and that's what a conjurer does. <laughs> that's what a medium does. Yeah. Um, and like obviously these are reactionary postures because they like all of this stuff mystifies the actual relations between things, between causations, and and they just add other layers because you can't bear to actually unveil the truth of material relations between things in a capitalist mm. society. Um, so what they're doing in many ways is reinforcing a kind of natural state of the world, but kind of trying to change their position in it. That's what Madalena Kay's doing. Mm. That's what kind of. Victoria Bateman's doing in it. She's mm. reinforcing the world that she exists in, but also kind of changing her position. Mm. She's rising higher, mm. you know? Um, and that's because in this kind of neoliberal, magical thinking world, if you're not part of the elite, you're part of the non-elite, and therefore you risk destruction, immiseration, all these kind of things. Um, you have to be... That's the one thing that links them all. They have to be the star. Yeah. They have yeah. to be the VIP. And I don't think that I always have a problem with like saying whether they're 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 cynical or not because on the surface they don't appear to be cynical. But what they're doing is leveraging their relatively privileged position within this kind of confusing world and then selling it onto others. You know whether it's like Wheatman getting into pointless, torturous Twitter arguments to sell her brand to anti-Corbynites, mm. or Madalena Kay becoming the young, pure voice of like this batshit remain yeah. thing. Um, it's not that they don't believe what they're selling, it's just that they have no material grounding or collective element to how they're actually going to get it done. Mm. They're just going to say the thing and it's going to get done. And if we're lucky, we all get to accompany them. Yeah. They're grinding realists without realising it. Yeah. It's the, um, the um, people's vote people claiming that that defeat was done by them. Yeah. It's yeah. saying, like, we did it. We did it. We said the right words in the right order and we've yeah. done it. Because it's it's there's no there's no particular link between what they did and how it came out but Mm. it came out so Mm. therefore we did it you know and like none of these people want to be anything spectacular they don't want to change the world no whenever you ask a say a francis wheatman or a a, a madalina Kay what they want to see in the world they don't really know because they're affecting this position outside the structure but they're unable to conceive of this different of a different Mm. structure that that's what they really should be looking at Robbie Travers just wants to be Thomas Friedman. Francis Wheatman just wants to be Helen Lewis. And putting out this kind of stuff is just their way of cutting corners, mm. of not actually having to be in the non-elite and actually have to grind at it. Yeah. It's a, that's, that's the grift you get now. It's, it's you get in the club. 
you yeah. get you see all the privilege that the very very rich have and the absolute divorcing of all kind of like responsibility from that they can literally get away with murder hmm. and they want to be a part of that they're not speaking truth to power they're just trying to join power yeah and that's maybe more important than actually you know getting any money yeah and of course the big problem is that said at the beginning like you can't cheat an honest man um this stuff works so well is that none of us absolutely none of us are outside the system we all none of us have the, none of us have the option of being honest no in the system we're all supposed to be profit maximizers we're all supposed to applaud this kind of behavior yeah you know we're supposed to be doing it ourselves mm. now whether we don't through you know penury or lack of opportunity is neither here nor there you know it we've been trained to kind of look to individuals as like individuals who succeed no matter how they succeed as like their their role models they are they are what you should aspire to be it doesn't matter how corrupt or how grifty the stuff they did like we're we are all of us only as honest as the world allows us to be yeah okay so that's us for this week yeah uh you can subscribe to us on itunes you can follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast you can follow me oh we're on spotify i couldn't find us on spotify I looked for us the other day. On Spotify. We're definitely on Spotify. Okay, we're on Spotify as well. So well, for we don't we talk were. about the weather. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Yep. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Bye. about the fighting game.